A lesson from the letter of St. Paul the Apostle to the Ephesians. Brethren, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose which he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confidence of access through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Continuation of the Holy Gospel according to John. At that time, since it was the day of preparation, in order to prevent the bodies from remaining on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was the high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken, and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first, and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. Jesus saw it as born witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he tells the truth, that you also may believe. For these things took place that scripture might be fulfilled. Not a bone of him shall be broken. And again, another scripture says, They shall look on him whom they have pierced. The saving words of the gospel. Today I'm celebrating a, a votive mass of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And um, this is one of the, on Fridays there, like a Thursday, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, we have some multiple choices. For example, on uh, Wednesday we can celebrate a votive mass of St. Joseph or of the Apostles. And uh, Thursday we have Eucharistic and priesthood ideas. And today we have passion ideas. So we could say a votive mass of the Holy Cross or the Passion or the, or the Most Sacred Heart. So today, it's been a while since I've celebrated this votive mass, and it's a, it's a nice thing to do, especially um, in our time right now, because I've been thinking very much about liturgical issues and the, the uh, importance of liturgy today and why it figures um, so large in the... And the battle that's going on in the church right now, you know, there's the okay. Well, let's let's pull out let's pull some of the things out of this reading here. Now, first of all, this uh, the John at the end of his reading he quotes he quotes scripture he quotes uh, Zechariah, and the chapter that he's quoting in Zechariah happens to be dealing with the victory of Jerusalem. It's a kind of an oracle talking about the house of David 
and uh, the victory of Jerusalem. And there is a, a line in there, they shall, there shall be a fountain opened for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from their sin, from their uncleanness. And um, so the, this, this idea they shall look upon him whom they have pierced is part of that, uh, that prophetic oracle about the, the triumph of the, of the new Jerusalem. There is also in this uh, image of the Lord being pierced a, a nuptial element that's explored by Augustine of Hippo in his exposition of the Psalms. Um, number 138, Augustine uh, says that Adam and Eve foreshadow Christ and his church. Now, Eve um, comes from the Hebrew, meaning uh, living one or source of life. And so what happens? The living one, the source of life, comes from the side of Adam and who is sleeping, sleeping Adam. And so the sacramental life of Christ's bride, the church, flows then from the pierced side of the death-sleeping Christ. And so that is Augustine's approach to the pierced side of the Lord. It foreshadows Christ in his church and the sacramental life of the church that feeds his bride, keeps her nourished and alive. Another point um, that we can we can look at here, and this is something that I know that I've mentioned before, but maybe it's been a very long time. Um, at the time of Passover, um, there were probably about a quarter of a million lambs slain every year at Passover in order to accommodate all the people who would descend on Jerusalem. There were over a million people, uh, well over a million people would come to Jerusalem every year uh, for this high holy day. And so, of course, these different groups had to have lambs for their Passover meals. So they estimate there's maybe some quarter of a million lambs were slain, which is an awful lot of blood. And the blood from the lambs was caught in basins by the priests and handed up the steps toward the great altar of the temple, as the priests sang the Hillel Psalms. And then they would throw the blood upon the altar. Well, that blood had to go somewhere, and there was, a, there was an opening, like a drain there near the, the altar where the blood would go. And there was an under, underground water course uh, below the, that area, and the water and the, the blood would flow into the water. And then that channel flowed out of the side of the Temple Mount into the Kindred Valley. And so if you were outside of this and looking up, you would see blood and water flowing from the side of the Temple Mount. And this is one of the reasons why John uh, emphasizes this, this, this image, uh, because he saw this and he, he remembers that the Lord described himself as the Temple Remember, destroy this temple, and I will rebuild it in three days. Well, if we stop to think about this, if Christ's body is the temple, and blood and water is coming from his side, that means that the heart of the Lord is the holy of holies of the temple. It's the very core. It's the very, it's the very center, the place where the, 
the presence of God is, where the ark was, and so forth. If Christ's body is the temple, and blood and water is coming from his side, then his heart, then the, the heart of the Lord is the altar, the temple. So, one of the things that we move to the next point of that description of the soldier with the lance, opening, piercing the sight of Christ, and opening up the heart of the Lord, out of which that sacramental life flows. So, if the heart of Jesus is open for us to peer into, then the tip of the spear, which opens it up, if we can peer into the heart of the Lord, there's a, there's a, a medieval uh, theologian philosopher by the name of Richard de St. Victor, who said um, that uh, love is the eye and the eye is to see, and that uh, Thomas looked through the visible wound to see the invisible wound of love. And so we peer to look into the heart of Jesus, which has been opened for us by the tip of the spear. Well, if that's the case, then the, what our, the tip of our spear is our sacred liturgical worship. That's what it is that gives us a chance to look into, even today, the very beating heart of the sacred heart of the Lord, which is beating, constantly communicating to us. The beating of the heart is like language. It's like a, a mysterious message from the eternal word who is God from all eternity. So the liturgy, our sacred liturgical worship, is how we listen to what the word is saying to us as a church, as a community, as an individual. And we have to learn how to interpret the beats of his heart and then determine what it is that they want, what it is that he wants to communicate for us um, and what he wants from us. And especially how the eternal word loves us with an ineffable love, even to the point of his heart being pierced with a lance. And so it seems to me that this this beating of the heart of the Lord, which is constantly present in our sacred liturgical worship, is also what formed our identity as a church. Um, it, it, is our, it becomes our beating heart, and there's an arrhythmia involved in this now. Um, because our sacred liturgical worship for so long has, has gone so far astray. It's, it's been fragmented and, and atomized and, and in some places distorted almost beyond uh, recognition. And in some places, well, I mean, a lot of places it's been distorted that way. And it seems to me that today, uh, with the attack that we're seeing on sacred liturgical worship from the highest uh, places uh, indicates uh, to me that my my diagnosis is right. Um, our sacred liturgical worship has to be the, the starting point from which we begin every good initiative, and then it has to be the goal that we return to with all of our initiatives that we undertake. This is one of the reasons why the Council uh, talks about uh, the Eucharist as being the phones and coolment, the source and the goal, the, the source of the, the pinnacle uh, of, of the life of the church. And by Eucharist, we mean not only just the Eucharistic species, but we also mean the celebration of the Eucharistic species, which is, of course, Holy Mass. And so how we 
celebrate Holy Mass is going to shape every aspect of of what the church and who the church uh, perceives herself to be. And if there's going to be an attack, uh, and even a very, very savage attack, and in some ways so terribly narrow-minded, and I think motivated by, uh, um, in the case of some, very impure motives, very impure motives, um, the attack on, on sacred liturgy tells us uh, that we're right about this. It's very important that we that we maintain the traditional forms of, of Roman worship, especially for the knock-on effect that they have through the priest who learns how to say the older form of Mass and how his priesthood is strengthened through it, how it, his, their hearts are, their own hearts are torn open and transformed, and, and they learn, the, the priest's heart learns how to beat in sync with that of Christ through this the older uh, form of mass. Uh, the 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 words uh, when you contrast uh, the way that the that the Novus Ordo, for example, sets up the priest in the offertory and then in the prayers before Holy Communion, uh, the the there's there's hardly any comparison between the two, especially with the preparation for Holy Communion, where every one of those prayers pierces the heart of the priest before he receives Holy Communion. His heart has to be torn open in order for that which the Lord wants to give through his own beating heart can enter into the heart of his priests. And so this is a form of holy mass which is very much under attack today, which tells us more about our evil times than just about anything else. So pray for our priests, uh, pray for our bishops, that their hearts be opened. I I tried to start on the blog that, that initiative that, in contrast to Traditionis Custodes, I tried to open up something called Custos Traditionis, where you could be a, a guardian of tradition. How? Well, by especially by offering uh, mortifications uh, for bishops who have to interpret the document, that their hearts be open, that their hearts be softened when it comes to this form of, of worship, and that they'll see what the good what good it has for the for the people who desire it, and therefore the knock-on effect for the whole church, which should be obvious to everybody. But if it isn't, because it's obvious and because it's under attack, that tells us a great deal about the motivation of some of those who have attacked it uh, so so very deeply. So we need to pray for these people uh, earnestly, uh, to say a memorare every single day for them, asking Mary, Queen of Priests, with her immaculate heart, to help open up the hearts of these uh, bishops and all of those who are interpreting a traditionis custodes. The litany of the most sacred heart of Jesus. Spiritus 
Spiritus Sancti Deus, miserere nobis, Santa Trinitas Unus Deus, miserere nobis, Coriezo, Fili Patris Eterni, miserere nobis, Coriezo, in sino virginis matris a Spiritus Sancto formatum, miserere nobis, Per Iesu, verbo Dei substantiali ter unito, miserere nobis. Per Iesu, maestatis infinite, miserere nobis. Per Iesu, templum Dei santo, miserere nobis. Per Iesu, tabernaculum audisivi, Miserere nobis, per Iesu, domus Dei et porta cevi, miserere nobis, per Iesu, fornax ardens caritatis, miserere nobis, per Iesu, justiciet amoris recettaculum, miserere nobis, per Iesu, Bonitate et amore pleno, miserere nobis. Cor Iesu, virtutum omnium avisus, miserere nobis. Cor Iesu, omni laude dimissimo, miserere nobis. Cor Iesu, rex et centrum omnium cordivo, miserere nobis. Per Iesu, in posso codis tesauri sapientiae et sciencie, miserere nobis. Per Iesu, in cohabitaromis plenitudo divinitatis, miserere nobis. Per Iesu, in cohabitaromis bene complacui, miserere nobis. Cor Iesu, de cuius plenitudine omnes non sancepimus, miserere nobis. Cor Iesu, desiderium colium eternorum, miserere nobis. Cor Iesu, patiens et multe misericordiae, miserere nobis. Cor Iesu, Divis in omnes qui invocat te, miserere nobis. Per Iesu, pons vite et sanctitatis, miserere nobis. Per Iesu, propiziatio pro peccatis nostris, miserere nobis. Per Iesu, saturatum oprobris, Miserere nobis, per Iesu, patritum propte scelerat nostra, miserere nobis, per Iesu, usque ad mortem obeliens fatum, miserere nobis, per Iesu, lacea perforatum, miserere nobis, per Iesu, Pons totius consolationis, 